Welcome to the Thanks Therapy Podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hello. Hi. I'm Emma Lydon. And I'm Hannah Lydon. And this is our Therapy Appreciation Podcast, Thanks Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. Thanks Therapy. Thanks Therapy. If you've made it to episode four, we would like to take a moment and say thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, and we would encourage you to tell us what you think of our podcast so far by commenting on any of our social media channels. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Are we on Facebook? No, we're not because okay. we decided that it was pointless. Who cares about <laughs> Facebook? Sorry, Zuck. Um, so you can comment on those things, not Facebook. You can email us as well if you want to do a more in-depth thing or you can send us your, your problems Please, via yeah. email as well. That would be amazing. And subscribe to the podcast wherever you might be listening. And maybe you even want to leave a review if you are very feel very helpful to us. Yes. That would be great. Um, tell us what you think. We're so pleased that anybody would listen, really. <laughs> and if you're not yeah. enjoying it, keep it to yourself. Yes, or you could leave us some constructive criticism. Actually, speaking of constructive criticism, I have a corrections corner. Correction. Um, for myself. So we were talking, <laughs> you asked me what um, phenomenology was, and I said that it was originated in the work of Albert Husserl, Husserl, Husserl? I can't say it. I think it's Husserl. 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 Um, or I might have said Alfred, but it's actually Edward okay. Husserl, <laughs> who was the find one of the founders of phenomenology. And the reason that I said Alfred was because I was making an amalgam of Edward Husserl, who originated phenomenology, and Alfred Schutz, right. who applied the phenomenological philosophy to um, the study of the social world, hence social phenomenology. So I just combined them together um, and... You'd sort of put me on the spot a wee bit, and basically, <laughs> I finished my PhD and instantly forgot all the details of it, which okay, is well, I didn't normal, I think any of that because I don't, I didn't know any of that, and I also didn't remember any of that. So, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, it is going in to my brain somewhere. But maybe well, it isn't. I give a really um, bad explanation of um, phenomenology in general, um, but I suppose so. It's um, anybody that does a PhD, you know, so it's a, a doctor of philosophy. So there does have to be some philosophy in your PhD. And essentially that just means um, how you understand the world and how you understand the construction of knowledge. So you have mm -hmm. to state your position of how you understand the world and how you understand um, how one might investigate things. Yeah. Um, and so uh, phenomenology basically is postulating that subjective meanings give rise to social reality, um, a bit like social constructionism, um, so that socially it's socially constructed from subjective experience of phenomenon, essentially. So 
because my PhD was a qualitative um, PhD, so it was looking at the lived experience of people. So I needed a philosophy oh. that would support the investigation of that and support the the knowledge construction on that. So that's okay. that's what I. Thanks did. for clearing that up. Uh, I that is all new to me. Well, again, I'm, I'm clearing it up for the people who are like, "What she said, Alfred? <laughs> she said Albert. What did she say?" And I. I would just like to address those people directly now and <laughs> and let them know that there will be more mistakes such as that oh, for along sure. the way, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, the one thing that's brilliant about doing a PhD is there's no better way to make yourself feel like you know absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, there's a concept called um, imposter syndrome that PhD students get and it's where they feel that they're they sh- they're not good enough they're not smart enough they're not they don't know enough to be doing the thing mm-hmm. and that experience peaks at the end of your PhD when you're writing your PhD because oh, that's so helpful it's really to the helpful. writing process so in the writing process you start you've done all your research you've done all your investigation and you're writing it down and you go I don't know nearly enough about this subject to be writing about it. I don't know nearly enough. I haven't read enough. I've, you know, what did I spend these three years doing? Yes, I read a lot at the start. Yes, I've done a literature review. Okay, I did oh the research, God. but I don't know, honestly. So you you believe that you don't know enough and you think, actually, I would need another six months to read all the literature that exists and I would need to read about seven or eight books before I can start putting down stuff on paper. And it's... An illusion, and I think it's because the more you know about something, the more you realize you don't know. Mm-hmm. You will never be able to know everything about everything. Um, and you know, my expertise is in a tiny, tiny little area. It's you yeah. know, I'm an expert in a very, very small thing. So there's going to be lots of um, things I get wrong, and I don't mind. Me too. <laughs> I don't know anything about fucking dick like that's fine if i i don't think anyone is expecting us to know the loads of stuff but you actually do know quite a lot just your imposter syndrome is, is strong with you. this one yeah um, but everybody has imposter syndrome i know everybody does in every job that's yeah. true but it's um we talk about it so much in in um phd students talk about it so much because it's so so strong when yeah. you're doing that but so anyway apart from that how have you been I've been pretty good. Uh, what's been going on? Very little. Um, we have family over at the minute, actually. So that's yes. been that's um, our large extended family. Well, we've actually got a very small. We've got two extra family members have have arrived. Yeah, but because of the um, pandemic, we haven't seen people really as much as we've wanted to. Um, my uh brother lives in France and so he's come over with one of his children um and we haven't seen him since Christmas 2019 oh so uh that has meant that we've had a lot of dinners where we've miscounted the number of people at the who are going to be at the table it's impossible for us to do it right i don't i don't understand what the problem is none of us can count is one of the issues and also if there's five five of us in a room and there's two other people in other rooms mm. that complicates matters hugely because we can't see them yeah and we don't have like object permanence when it comes to <laughs> counting people for dinner it seems to be that 
I just think we there's been several incidents where we've we've counted people wrongly on maybe three or four occasions. Now to be fair, we were counting like there was like eighteen people, 18 and then people maybe for four dinner. extra people arrived for something. And or, then sometimes the dogs get counted, and they shouldn't have been counted, or they don't need a place at the table. <laughs> yeah, some people will count adults but not children, and not specify that that's what they've done. Yeah, and you know whether it's but it it can get loud whenever we're together as well. It gets quite loud. There's a lot of opinions. People talking over each other songs being made up on the fly <laughs> um you weren't there the first night that they arrived but um dad started trying to make up a blues song about oh my god it's good dogs oh dogs being good the dogs <laughs> um oh. famously he made up a song hannah's just broken her broke pen. my pen sorry um, famously, he made up a song called "Walking," which is um, now legendary in the family. Where Instant blues classic, yeah. really. Like it was just hilarious. Like there was no, um, they we were just jamming one night. So we're a family of musicians, which means when we get together, um, we often play music together or sing or somebody sing something. And um, we were just jamming, and we started jamming a blues. And he started making, he made up this song called Walking. <laughs> and, you know, this is not, he's, he has written songs which have lasted sort of 50 plus years. Yeah, real, so- like proper songs with a, with a narrative and stuff. Yeah, Although so. Walking, I guess, does have a narrative. I mean, mostly comedy songs, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that came up on Facebook memory the other day was um, a song that he made up which was parodying folk songs. Oh, and she so, didn't see me. Yes, so it's a song <laughs> called "And She Didn't See Me," and it's parodies folk songs <laughs> like "She Moved Through the Fair." Um, whenever he started out, he was in a, a folk group, but they thought they were cooler than a lot of the other folk musicians, so they sort of made fun of these these other very earnest, <laughs> you know, songs, and made up this song. So he's eighty five tomorrow, my dad. Tomorrow? Oh, yeah, it's tomorrow. Yeah. So happy birthday, Richard! Happy birthday, tomorrow. Richard! You are the best. You are He's the best great ever. Guy. Um. Anyway, let's anyway. get on to the 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 subject of the day. So today we want to talk about the world of um mindfulness, self help resources, and techniques for dealing with things outside of a structured program of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um. So Hannah, when we were discussing our topic for this week, we initially thought of just like sharing techniques for coping with anxiety and depression. And then the subject opened up a bit for you. So tell me what you had been thinking about with regards to this. Yeah. So um, I think when we were in mid-recording last week, we were like, oh, that can be our our topic. And I was like, that's easy. And then I sort of started to think about it and was like, I am actually bored of reading about like, you know, the, the... five things you can see it's four things you can touch because I've always sort of seen that and been like yeah that's great and everything if you're mid or pre panic attack um but at no point have I ever committed it to memory like I can't I couldn't tell you what they are oh right okay I was about to ask can you go through them it's like the five senses Mm -hmm. and it's meant to be a grounding technique technique. so it's like uh list and you know look at five things you can see Notice four things you can touch, three things you can smell. Mm-hmm. What are the other senses? One thing you can taste. Is there feel in there? Yes. Feel. Although, 
Well, yeah, if you, a typical grounding technique is I feel the chair beneath me, I feel yes. the ground beneath my feet. I My problem with that is it's grounding, but it's kind of complicated. Sure. So yeah. I started thinking about this and was like, that's not, I don't think I've ever really actually used that yeah. in any proper way. Um, And then I realized that I have a lot of opinions about this general topic and (laughs) I think a lot of our listeners will be aware of these things like the five senses technique or stuff like that I'm sure they've seen them I'm sure they've heard of the headspace app yeah I'm sure they're aware of meditation and like deep breath exercises Mm -hmm. um especially since we are like struggling on through like the dying phases of the pandemic Mm -hmm. And anxiety is like very much a part of everyone's lives and has been for the past year and a bit. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to it. Um, but mindfulness, what does that mean? So the Mayo Clinic website describes mindfulness as mindfulness is a type of meditation in which you focus on being intensely aware of what you're sensing and feeling in the moment without interpretation or judgment. Practicing mindfulness involves breathing methods, guided imagery, and other practices to relax the body and mind and help reduce stress. So that sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I know what it is based on that, but okay. That doesn't give you a huge, like, picture. Not a lot of detail, no. Not a lot of detail, but it, I guess it describes what it's supposed to do. Um, so it sounds brilliant. When applied to everyday life, those things can absolutely be, like, enriching and grounding for an anxious person. And I am by by no means shitting on mindfulness okay but when it you say like things I like that <laughs> i expect the next phrase to be literally shitting on mindfulness is that what's happening or? i just think that it's wheeled out quite frequently as a catch-all cure-all yeah. kind of um it's like people say like have you tried mindfulness or like do you meditate or you, yeah, you know, I'm stressed about stuff too. I just do, I've got the Headspace app and I just use that. And I, I always find myself being like, I just kind of mentally exit the conversation then because I am just not enjoying the lack of depth around that discussion. A hundred Do you know what I mean? I totally know Am what I you mean. Am I just being needlessly negative? Not at all. I think it's app, actually... Which I've mentioned three times. <laughs> we are not sponsored by the Headspace app. We are in app. no way affiliated with um, the Headspace app and I'm I'm sorry about no, that. No, um, what I think happens is it's dismissive or alienating to yes. say to someone... Dismissive is the word. ...who is either... Um, who is experiencing something difficult to say, have you tried... Yeah. meditation or have you tried deep breathing or because I could almost guarantee that they have yes or that they've thought about it and felt that doesn't feel enough like it's what I need like yeah. I am not connecting with that to be what I need and that has to be respected mm-hmm. you know they could be wrong it could be really really helpful for them but at the same time people have to come to things at their own yes time do you know what I mean absolutely um and that dismissive is the word that I was searching for and couldn't Mm. think of that is my that's my experience with Mm. those techniques and I think a lot of it comes through social media as well like my most frequently used social media would be Instagram Mm -hmm. it's quite big on there there's like a wellness culture that is proliferated via Instagram um which is lovely it's really positive I think it's very positive 
if you're in the right space to engage with it. Of course it is. And that is something <laughs> I think... Your face every time I start start in on it. No, no. I, I, look, I don't at all disagree with you because whenever... Um, mindfulness first came into prominence and you know started being a sort of buzzword that you would hear about the place what do you say like 20 2018 i'm gonna approximate no so it was earlier than that earlier? for me because it was after i had finished my training in counseling um so that would have been like 2010 oh wow okay. 2011 no 2010 i think so i that means immediately after you finish your training in counseling I mean, maybe not everybody is, but I was super arrogant and I just was like, <laughs> what? What is this? Surely this is obvious what they're saying here. Um, and I personally felt that I was practicing daily mindfulness. Um, so that was paying calm attention, centeredness, pe- feeling peace and joy. Um, and I suppose I felt like being able to be mindful or practice mindfulness was a privilege of the already unburdened. So as you mm. were saying, if people say to someone who's in distress, oh yeah, no, have you tried mindfulness? I think that the difficulty is, is that it's very easy to say that if you're happy and content in your life and you can center yourself and feel that, you know, sense of peace and joy and, you know, and I think that's sort of what you are are, are already describing there. Yes. I love the phrase privilege of the already unburdened. Yes. It's quite dramatic phrasing, but it's good because anytime I've, I'm going to mention the Headspace app one more time. Mm-hmm. It was recommended to me by a friend when I, as when I lived in London, I think I was finishing my degree and just generally my life was chaotic mm-hmm. and quite bad. Um, and my housemate was like, you should try the Headspace app. It's brilliant. I really, it, it helps me a lot. Um, I was like, all right, okay. So I tried it and it's like deep breathing. It's meant to be like sort of little bite-sized meditation things. And I tried it and was completely overwhelmed and just thought, I don't know how to do this safely. This feels very unsafe for me. And that of course was bewildering because I didn't know why it felt unsafe. Um, I now understand it's because I was quite ill and didn't realize so trying to do like meditation or breathing was like just sort of impossible. Mm. Um, so yeah, if you're operating, I think my, the thing that I think of every time this kind of conversation comes up and why I feel a bit alienated by it sometimes is because I always think of those experiences that I've had and remember feeling that because I couldn't engage with like quote unquote mindfulness or those practices that that I, there was something wrong with me and I don't think that's acknowledged a lot of the time when this is spoken about um because if you're operating out of a place of like unhealed trauma mm-hmm. say or um just general poor mental health to the point where you're not really in control of your decisions Mm. trying to engage with something like that especially when it's advertised to you as this will help you Mm -hmm. this will make you feel a lot better and the opposite happens Mm. you you automatically go well I'm there's something wrong with me I think that's a brilliant point you know what I'm saying you know the fact that you said you were too overwhelmed you find it overwhelming yeah it's meant to be the opposite of that yeah (laughs) it's meant to be calming (laughs) 
So, you know, you can see why I was suddenly like, what the fuck? My brain's broken. I don't get mindfulness. It's uh, I'm the outlier in the trend. I, I can't do it. This is so interesting that we, our two reactions to it, but I was like, I'm doing it every day. <laughs> I'm doing it every, I do it on the bus. I don't know what the fuss is about. I'm not going to a course about I it. Like, no, I shan't. It made me feel like I was going to die. I don't understand it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that, you know, we're talking about, we're we're using the word mindfulness and we might be talking about several different techniques, I suppose. Yeah, I'm talking about like meditation as well, and deep, I think. And breathing techniques and yeah. things like that. Um, so just before we move on from mindfulness, because mindfulness is one tool in a range of, uh, you know, things which you can you have mentioned and I want to yes. go into detail a little bit more detail about them each of them I suppose so um I looked up mindfulness as well yes in, and mindfulness is a very well respected technique for improved emotional regulation and um dialectical behavioral therapists for example teach mindfulness and they teach three attitudes of mindfulness um so they are observing describing and participating and rather than there being no trick to it, um, this is a skill that you can learn or it's a set of skills that you can learn. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. And my understanding of mindfulness was the practice <laughs> of keeping your mind deeply focused on the present moment. Mm-hmm. And that is because in the present, there's no worries about the future and there's no regrets about the past, which is essentially where anxiety and depression come from, respectively. Yeah. Um. And as I say, because I was able to do this, I thought there was no trick to it. However, I'm always happy to be proven wrong. Um, <laughs> so it, it was um, Professor John Kabat-Zinn who brought the practice of mindfulness into the mainstream. And he has argued that there are significant benefits, not only for psychological well-being, but for physiological symptoms. Mm-hmm. So that there's a whole body response which I am very pro you know I I do like a holistic approach I like that as well and so I also checked out to see if there was any evidence that mindfulness worked yes and there was and I love a bit of evidence so there was a meta synthesis carried out in uh, 2012 by uh, Robert McCarney and colleagues and they found that there was a significant reduction in depression symptoms measured by the Beck depression inventory and I think there was maybe 21 studies in that um, metasynthesis. So is there, that good? Is that enough studies? 21? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes, good. it is. Yeah. I mean, so essentially, if you have metasynthesis is great because systematic reviews in general are really good because essentially what you're doing is you're looking at all the studies that's, that study a particular phenomena and you're combining the evidence together. Oh, okay. And so you can... Do you mean studies that have been carried out all around the world? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Okay, right. Cool. So I did a metasynthesis um, about uh, parental mental illness. So other studies that had looked at the experience of parental mental illness and interviewed either parents or partners or children or a combination of of that mm-hmm. and then I I basically took all the data that was in those studies and reanalyzed it right. to combine it together so if you think that you if you have a study with 12 people in it um you have got evidence from 12 people of yes. what happens in something mm-hmm. um and then if you look <clears throat> at 
25 studies that all have 12 people or 10 people or 20 people. That's loads of people. That's a lot more people. So there's a lot more evidence of efficacy. Interesting. I didn't know that. That is all brand new information to me. Thank you. No I didn't problem. know any of that stuff. Also, just quickly, what is the Beck Depression Inventory? So that's a um, another test, essentially, to um, study someone's, to look at someone's level of depression. So it's, a, you know, it would have a series of questions. I actually don't know how many questions, but say 20 questions. Okay. Which would indicate a level of depression. Right. Um, and it's a, it's used in um, psychological studies and experiments. It wouldn't be used, I don't think it's used by, maybe it is used in clinical practice. I didn't think it was a clinical practice till I thought it was just for psychological experiments, but I could be wrong. Give Corrections Corner if I'm wrong, but, tweet, you know. Tweet at us if we're wrong about stuff. I mean, maybe don't be too pedantic, because that could, you could end up be telling pedan- us. Be pedantic and also be really <laughs> cross about it. We want to be told off. She said it was this, but it's actually <laughs> that. Um, interesting. I have never heard of that. And yeah, there's lots of them. I, I mean, I considered using it, you know, when you're doing, you might, you'll probably do some research in your master's. I hope so. Generally, you do dissertation in your master's and you're encouraged often to develop that research yourself. So you would have um, a range of things that you could do it about and then you pick something that you're interested in and then you conduct a small piece of research and then write it up and that's essentially your... Hmm. Well, that's how my dissertation worked anyway in my master's. I look forward to finding out what I will do for that. Yeah. So um, also, Hannah... Mm-hmm. Did you know that mindfulness is part of the cognitive behavioural school of psychological techniques? I did not know that, but now that you say it, it feels right because I have misgivings about cognitive behavioural school and also about mindfulness. <laughs> That's not fair. Well, But no, I didn't know that, but it, it does make sense. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, is that it... Um, it feels much less concrete than most um, CBT techniques. Mindfulness, yeah. it's a bit more kind of like, mm, hey, you know, be tea. peaceful and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, technically it is. So, huh. But I just, to return to some of the other things you were saying um, about coping techniques, because you've mentioned journaling to me before. In our personal is, lives? Or on this podcast? Yes, I think both. Oh, I'm fairly sure both you've said, but... Um, I know you have said that to me. Yes, I I do a bit of journaling. Can you tell me more about it, please, Hannah? Okay. Um. So I guess I'm going to bring up the pandemic a lot. That's fine. It's, we need to talk about the still, pandemic. It's still current. It's like, happening quite aggressively. It's not great at the minute. We're all just sort of pretending that it's not happening. Yeah. Um. But so cast your mind back mm. to March 2020. Oh Lord! Everybody was freaking out. So I was freaking out. Yeah. Um, I had just been furloughed. I remember so clearly the day that my workplace closed because I work in hospitality, and we all were kind of like, "Oh shit, this feels like it's not going away." And I remember my boss like bringing me into the kitchen and being like, "This is going to be our last day of being open." I was crying. We were all crying. It was it was a horrible day. So you know. Uh, that was a time of just kind of white knuckle mm-hmm. fear 
and we just really thought that we were all going to get sick and die mm-hmm. and everyone we knew and loved was going to get sick and die that's what and I thought yeah yeah we do you remember the the panic I do remember the fear have I talked about this before on the yes because I remember have. it was this was around the time of your birthday in fact my last day of work may have been your birthday and I text you in the evening being like, I'm so freaked out that I forgot to wish you a happy birthday. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And you replied being like, I've been crying all day, so mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Because we were all just fucked. Like, we were so scared. It was really scary. It was awful. So the Sunday the 15th was your last day in work. And we yeah, got together right. at mum and dad's that day because it was oh, my man. niece's birthday. It was Joni's birthday. Mm-hmm. And then it was my birthday the day after. And... Um, so we got together to have cake and stuff and we had to say to my parents, look, we're not going to be oh. coming here for a while. And they were like, what, just going to leave us here by ourselves? And we're not allowed to go outside? And we were like, yes, please don't mm. go outside. Yeah. yeah. And then the next day was my birthday and I just cried the whole day. Oh, man. Just cried. And Marty had to go to work that day, but then he didn't go to work after that. Oh, fuck. And that was it, us all home from that point. So, you know... This is, I find myself face to face with uh, an unmanageable level of anxiety. And yeah. also, my the person I live with is a doctor. Mm-hmm. So she was, she was flat out in a different way. She was in work like, you know, 70 hours a week battling on the front lines. I mean, she was, the NHS. she was in the COVID ward. She was in the COVID ward. I remember a day she came home and she had like, certified a death from covid and mm. me and her just lying on the sofa both crying That's intermittently awful. trying to watch stupid stuff on tv and then just being like i'm just gonna cry a bit more mm-hmm. just ignore me so anyway so i was home a lot mm-hmm. alone just being like what the fuck am i supposed to do yeah um and i think i remember my last therapy session because i remember saying like it's good you know i'm an introvert i'm prepared for this yeah this will not be hard for me and also I've been in therapy for like three years, so like we're good to go. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> being at home alone all day and rapidly realizing that was not the case. <laughs> um, so I was like, I might actually need to uh, investigate this whole mindfulness, self-care, taking care of yourself outside of therapy thing. Mm. Like one hour a week in therapy is, is you know, is not going to cut it right now because my my situation has changed. The world has changed. Um. So one of the things that I got into very quickly and it became like my main thing was yoga mm-hmm. um, because I was like, right, if I'm, I'm going to sit at home all day, I'm going to probably just eat stuff. So I need to do an exercise. Yeah. Um, um, but I hate exercise. So <laughs> yoga seemed like the nicest one because it's sort of chill. You still sweat, but you're not out of breath. Um, and uh, around that time, I was like, noticing that my dreams became like next level, vivid, insane. I was waking up every day throughout like April, May and writing down these crazy dreams I was having. So I was like, right, I'm going to make this into a a sort of practice. And it basically turned into a journaling practice outside of dreams. So it started out with dreams. I would write them down, think about them, kind of be like, what is my brain trying to tell me? Mostly my brain was trying to tell me that I was scared of COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Funny enough. But there was other messages in there and um, it's something that I still do. And then I was like, well, why don't I just do this all the time? It doesn't have to just be dreams. Why don't you just notice how you're feeling? If you're feeling weird, write down why. Mm. Um, Do it non-judgmentally. 
don't think about who might read it. Nobody will read it, which is quite hard to get past that initial thing of being like, if, if I die and someone finds this, this is the most embarrassing thing they could ever read. But I don't really think about that anymore because I just trust that it'll be embarrassing anyway. Well, you won't care about it. That I won't care because I'll be thing. dead. Yeah. But so <laughs> that is my, when I was kind of, you know, doing my research for our podcast today, I was like, do I do mindfulness? Is that a thing that I am involved with? No, and I initially thought not. no. Yeah. And then realized that those, those things are two examples of, like of mindfulness, classic mindfulness practice. Yeah, so yoga is a brilliant one, and I have recommended that to clients in the past mm-hmm. uh, because, um, you know, it really does help that mind-body connection that we we don't in, engage in enough in modern life. So I think yoga is a brilliant one. And journaling, um, it's not something that I have done since I was a teenager, but I did it a lot when I was a teenager. <laughs> was it dramatic? Um, Oh my god, it was ridiculous. I actually have a few pages in that I found oh my which god, I please. must show you. Can we have a weekly um, instalment of Emma's teenage diaries? Oh, no, it's just like one of them is about a boy in the class um pulling his like pulling his pants down, showing his bum in yeah. the class and he like called my name and I turned around and he I mooned me and my writing about it's like I couldn't believe that he had done it in front of everyone. <laughs> we now now call him Simon the the Flasher such and such Jesus whatever Christ. his name was. It's all just stuff. Mm. But anyway, um, it's not something I do now, but I have heard really good things about it, and I've also heard um. There's particular ways of journaling which are which are effective for particular things. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I'm going to recommend another podcast now. Oh, yeah? Which we haven't done, and we can't believe that we haven't done that because we are massive podcast fans. We've talked about this, this young in life. life. Yes, we have, of course. Um, but we haven't talked about, like, I mean, I don't know if it is... Ex- Explicitly clear that we're murderinos. I think maybe people just assume that we are. But if there's we, any murderinos listening to this, they will be able to tell. I think they'll be able to tell before we've even mentioned it. Yeah, like we're we're OG murderinos. But anyway, um, the podcast that I'm wanting to recommend is um the Cure for Chronic Pain, which oh, yeah. George actually recommended on an episode. I've and listened I've got, to a few of those. I so have I. Um, I have got a lot of. Um, podcast recommendations from Karen and Georgia, of course, as well. But mm-hmm. so the cure for chronic pain um, is an interesting one if you have chronic pain, but also if if you're interested in um, psychological things and in uh, trauma and and long standing issues that you find difficult to move past, you should check it out because this particular technique involves journaling to find out what as a way of finding out what your expressions are telling you so say you're getting angry all the time you do this kind of journaling around the topic I can't tell you the exact technique so you'd need to listen to the podcast to find out or visit the website I think is the the, how you're directed to do it in the podcast um and this has been a cure this has helped people deal with their chronic pain and be Mm -hmm. out of pain essentially so I guess it's like a it sounds like a kind of gentle self-interrogative thing where you just see what happened like you know Julia Cameron the artist no the artist's way is her book right um have you read that no I haven't really no 
This seems like it's so your thing. Oh, great. You, I bet if I start talking about it, you'll know what it is. So she, it's a book for artists, uh-huh. or basically anyone who wants to like get back in touch with the creativity that they think that they've lost, right. or that they feel like they can't access. And her, one of her things, she's got all these different techniques, and you kind of work through the book as you want. It's like a, it's designed as a workbook, but you don't have to do it chronologically. Um, but one of the things that she says is like the if you're going to do nothing else from the book you have to do this one thing it's called morning pages uh-huh. um so it's three three a four pages that you do it's like a automatic writing exercise uh-huh. basically so you do that every morning or just whenever you first wake up and it just basically like clears the pipes kind oh, of thing right okay um and she says in the book she says they are non-negotiable you have to do that okay. as part of your kind of practice. So I guess that could come under the umbrella oh, term of mindfulness. And, but also of journaling, because I think it's that process of getting the thing out. Of, get, of getting started. Like. And if, if you get the thing out, the emotion, the feeling, the, the problem, whatever it is, if you get it out by talking, the thing that you don't do is concretize it by yeah. writing it down. And you don't get and, to look back. Exactly. So you can examine it. If you write it down, then you can say, oh, whoa, did I, I read whoa, that? I wrote is that? that what I, is that what I mean? Is that yeah. true? Is it not true? Um. So did you ever do the three pages? Yeah, I do them quite a lot. I don't oh, do right. them every day, which okay, Julia sure. Cameron would not be happy about. But no, she would... T- Smack you on the wrist. Smack for that. on the wrist. Non-negotiable. They're non-negotiable, and I have looked. You're not supposed to look back on them, but obviously I have. Um, I've looked back on them and been like, "Who the fuck wrote this? What's this about? I have <gasps> no memory of this stuff." And that's what it's meant to be for. Right. Okay. It's meant to just like get all this sort of shit out of the way. Yeah. They don't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be grammatically correct. If you don't know what to write, you can literally sit and be like, "You can literally sit and write." I don't know what I'm supposed to write here. I'm yeah. feeling blah blah blah. Yeah. And you'll find that, you know, it becomes a lot easier because at the start of the first page you're like I have no clue how I'm going to fill three pages and then at the end of the third page you're like I could keep going. Wow. So okay. you're meant to, it's meant to loosen you up, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, um I can't remember why I brought that up. Well, uh, you so was it to do with the creative practices or cuz I've got two points from what you've just said. You say your things because I okay. don't really know well, where my was going I want that. to come back to creative practices because I do think that that's a, a thing that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. But just before we left the topic of writing things, an, a well-known technique is to write a letter that you'll never send. Oh, yeah. To write a letter that you'll destroy. To write a letter that you don't ever have to send it, but to write the letter. That is my... I love doing this. I, I think it's... I mean, I didn't look up any evidence on this before today but I do feel like it definitely works if you have a, um, an unresolved issue or you're estranged from somebody or you've you know you've been hurt in some way or you've had a terrible breakup or something you know write the letter it doesn't have to go anywhere you yeah. can put it in the fire afterwards but it helps you get those things out of you mm-hmm. and and help helps them processed and that's what you're trying to do is process them the kind of connecting theme of everything that we've mentioned all these techniques that we've mentioned with Mm. journaling is that it's non-judgmental yes so you're meant to write them in a way that you know nobody else will look at them Mm -hmm. and even if you look at them again you're not meant to judge it 
Yeah. So that's, but that's hard. That is very difficult. And some people, mindfulness practitioners might say, well, that's the acceptance part of the mindfulness. That's the principle oh, of yeah. acceptance. Um, presumably that's how we could link that into that. Um, did you have another thing to say about that or can I say about the creative things? You talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, well, no, it's just I'm excited but that you brought that up because... So just to go back to the pandemic yeah. briefly. So whenever, when that first hit, so I've got two kids, they were going to be out of school um, and a real like, um, like what is it bunker spirit what is that term that i'm looking for like wartime trenches no i can't think of what the term is but there was we a wartime were... spirit atmosphere at the start yes so it was like we're in crisis we're gonna work together you know like sure yeah so we've yeah. been washed up in this desert island we're gonna gather wood and that would be always my um way of getting on we've got this problem what are the 10 solutions that i'm going to come up with yes, and stronger we're together kind of all that kind feeling. of stuff so we did, we basically started, so first of all, we were going to go for a walk every day. We we're mm-hmm. going to make sure we got outside and went for a walk every day. Um, We were going to do creative things. We we're going to do art. We were going to, um, you know, at one point I was going to teach them language or something, you know. I mean, I was really ambitious at <laughs> ambitious, the start. I was like, for sure. I'll educate them myself. It's fine. <laughs> it's Okay. And then the schools got it together much faster than I thought. And suddenly we were inundated with work and we couldn't have fitted anything else in anyway. But, um, and then I came across a podcast, um, Brenny Brown's podcast, Mm. um, which I can't remember the name of it now, but you were just unlocking us, unlocking us, maybe. Yeah. Um, and actually I came across it quite late in the pandemic, but it, one of the things that she brought up was really relevant to those kind of things that I was doing Essentially what she says is if somebody in the family has a problem, the first thing that she does is sort of like a checklist. So are you getting eight hours sleep? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating nutritious food? Mm. Are you moving your body? Um, Are you spending enough time with people? Are you spending enough time alone? Now, I'm absolutely paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. I might have added those last two on a little bit myself because... Because I think connection is important, but equally I think time alone is important. Mm. And I know that you feel the same as an introvert, as you've mentioned already today. I love being alone as my my preferred way. In fact, I need to be encouraged to not be alone. Um, I mean, I think you're quite a social person as well, but you you need that time alone to recharge your social batteries, don't you? Yeah, I need more than probably most people. Most people. I didn't ever realise that I needed it at all until I read um, Quiet by... Oh, yeah. Susan Cain, I think is the name. That was years ago. Yeah, well, I read it and I went, God, I feel like that as well. I feel, I'll feel drained and strung out if I am in forced social situations for too long or I have it's you know too draining yeah because a lot of people would think with being a performer and stuff that I'd be just straight extrovert but actually I think I'm a bit of both yeah 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 so anyway sorry that's going off the point slightly so um those those were things that we did as basically a basic so making sure all your basic needs are met oh my god that's so relevant to what we're going to talk about in a minute um but one of my needs would be um 
to have a creative pursuit of some kind. Yeah. So obviously mm-hmm. we made a lot of music. Um, we probably actually finished our our EP during lockdown. Yeah. We released yeah, yeah. two singles. We made a music video. Um, we did a lot of live stream music. Um, I started painting pebbles at one point. Did you? you know, yes. I don't remember that. Yeah, I've got them in there. I did like a bee and a bird and. Oh, that's nice. I wrote a lot of letters to people. Did you? I did drawings and and found like heartening quotes from Shakespeare plays and stuff mm. and wrote them to people that I don't really talk to that much. That's lovely. And and made I made homemade envelopes out of a blondie calendar. Wow. Um so that people could have a picture of Debbie Harry. Yeah. <laughs> to keep them company in the <laughs> pandemic. I've just kind of remembered that there now that I've not thought about since I did it. Back yeah. in April 2020 or whatever. Um, I love your drawings and I would like there to be always more drawings being made at all times. I like to keep them exclusive. Yes. I only do them every once every year. Wow, okay. <laughs> That's not true. I'm just lazy. <laughs> so creative things are things that I need to do. It's not not necessarily the same as self-care, as we're what we're talking about. Yeah. Well... It could be considered self-care if if that is something that is essential to your continued well-being, which, that I mean, what is self-care apart from just that? Yeah. Like, this is another thing that when I was, um, you know, thinking about what, what I wanted to talk about this week, I was like, self-care, I want to I wanted give off a bit about the term. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Do you know what I'm going to Well, no, say? I just, I hate the term, but yes. It is annoying and it's become misused. In a way that really, I don't know why it irritates me so much, but it really does. I hate when you see stuff like people posting like a photo of cocktails mm-hmm. and they're like, self-care. I'm <laughs> like, that is actively not self-care. What you mean is you're having fun. Yeah. But when you're hungover tomorrow and yeah. you've spent loads of money, yeah, that's not self-care. Not that I'm discouraging anyone from going out and getting cocktails. That's mm. so fun. I love doing that. Yeah. But to me... Self-care is stuff that's not necessarily fun, like, uh, you know, going to bed at a sensible time, getting up at a sensible time, paying bills, mm-hmm. even though you want to spend the money on fun stuff, um, cleaning, having difficult conversations with yourself, pulling yourself up on, you know, your own bullshit. That That is self-care. Um, but the media, and especially Instagram and places like that, you if you look at the hashtag self-care you will see like a lot of bath bomb content (laughs) a lot of massage content a lot of yeah I've bought this makeup haul uh you know here's all my makeup Mm. kind of stuff people confusing self-care with treat yourself yes it's not the same thing um I don't know who I'm shouting at but guys that's not self-care um but something that I've only kind of come to that realization through therapy as well mm-hmm. because I I can I think I used to treat self-care as like just do whatever I want I'm going to do whatever I want mm. and then that is not that does not necessarily lead to it's not conducive to like health no and I I like sometimes you see on Instagram people be like you know self-care to me is not like having a bath self-care yeah. is 
going to my doctor or, you know, making a phone call that I'm procrastinating about so I can get it out of my head or, you know, and I do think people are starting to to hit back at that thing of like, it's not a pedicure, like could you? Although I actually sometimes brunches are like essential self-care for me. I'm like, I haven't had a brunch in ages. I really need to go for... But you're not brunching alone. You're brunching with someone. So probably the thing that you're getting from the brunch Mm. is connection it's connection connection delivered in a a very nice setting with delicious food with delicious food and coffee none of that is bad but if you were like really really broke and you needed to do some financial self-care yeah going for brunch would be like it's self-destructive in fact exactly it's a very interesting term like all of the discussion around that is very interesting it is and i would include um something that people don't necessarily think of as self-care but again I think people are starting to mention it maybe more in the same discussion is um setting boundaries Mm. so I think setting boundaries with people in all area of your life in all areas of your life is important but particularly if you have a draining or problematic person in your life um, you've you've got to set some boundaries because you will suffer as a result of not setting boundaries. Yeah. I mean, last night I set boundaries because um, I've had a draining couple of weeks, really exhausting couple of weeks. Um, I was away. Um, I've had a couple of nights of very little sleep. And uh, last night I was supposed to rehearse with the band and I had a tiny bit of a sore throat. And ordinarily I would say, and I was exhausted, just yeah. clean exhausted. Ordinarily, I would force myself to do that. I would force myself to do the rehearsal. Um, I would be draining myself further as I did it. Mm. And I would potentially suffer as a result of having done it. And I just said, I can't do this. I'm yeah. going to have to start saying no to more things because I behave as if I'm indestructible. Yes. And that no matter how much I drain myself, I will never... Yes. Learning yes. and growing every day. She's giving me a significant <laughs> look. I'm giving an eyebrows up sort of a look like, oh really? Did you learn this? Yes. I I mean, I have been learning this as, as time has gone on. I, it's just that... But that's a perfect example because you text me during this, mm-hmm. like when you had just said, no, I'm not, I'm not rehearsing. Mm-hmm. Um, you text me during it being like, I feel bad. I, 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 I did feel I bad. I feel really guilty. I actually so felt, I continued to feel bad about it and talked to Marty several times about feeling bad about it. Yeah, but it's not easy. That was not an easy thing that you did. But to I say, was, like, no, I'm not attending, even though I'm physically here. Yes. I will be removing myself. Uh-huh. And literally lying in my bed watching yeah. a documentary about cocaine cowboys. Did you watch what's that? I want to watch that. It's on Netflix. <gasps> it's just funny, like, fun, like, daft, criminal, silly behaviour in the 80s. But anyway. That sounds fun. Um, So, yes, so setting boundaries. You're never obliged... Um to put up with people who are making you feel terrible. I mean, this is a this is something that I learned prior to the you should set boundaries if you're exhausting yourself lesson. But yeah. in terms of um, setting boundaries around people who are problematic, you have to take care of yourself and your well-being by making sure you have set that. I think probably I, I learned that lesson earlier because that's what you come across when you're 
and you know, your counselling clients, people will say, you know, my ex just keeps coming to the door or, you know, this oh, or that or the other. And so it's number one thing is to say, okay, you need to set boundaries around this because yeah. you have to protect your space, your, your, you know, psychology, your internal well-being, all of that from somebody who's trying to, um, drain it from you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we've talked a lot about different techniques that are all really designed to, um, make sure all of your needs are being met. Mm-hmm. Aren't they? Now I'm trying to force a segue here into something <laughs> as I'm sure you can tell. What, what, what are you trying to segue to? Let me well, help you. Please help me, Hannah. Are you are you going to talk about Maslow? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Oh, we love it. So it's I, ridiculous that we haven't talked about this yet. Well, we there's simply not enough time. I know, but we have brought this up. Um, we just haven't actually we delved haven't into about it, it properly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Emma, <coughs> tell me about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Please. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I promise I'll only do that twice an episode. To be continued, folks, I promise we will revisit this discussion of Maslow's hierarchy of needs in the second part of this episode. In the meantime, please enjoy a very short clip of the song Walking that we told you about um, with my dad, my brother and the rest of the family joining in in an improvised comedy blues song. I'm just gonna hide, 